Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It's summertime. It's hot. And, uh, I, you know, I don't like being hot. Uh, one of the things I don't like being hot about being hot is, uh, is the fact that... Um, you get to the point of diminishing return and what I mean by that is is you know it's like if, if it's cold outside you can always put another blanket on the bed you can always put on another layer of clothing you can find a way to get warm but man when it's hot it's just hot poor old air conditioner's working as hard as it can can't keep up it's just hot and another annoying thing about being hot is hearing other people talk about how hot it is it's like, man, it's hot enough for you. Nah, nah, man, not me. Nah, how about this heat, you know? But nevertheless, it's it's hot. It's the dog days of summer. 
And uh, it's really the last week where we don't have a lot going on officially at Mississippi State. We got SEC Media Days coming up. The next thing you know, it will be in fall practice. Uh, still got some international competition we're working through right now. You, know, so you still got some rooting interest. If you're looking for some some dogs to pull for, you can. want to congratulate Reggie Perry and the U19 Team USA group that uh, won the World Cup. And Reggie named MVP of the entire event. Man, that guy has had an incredible offseason. Happy to have him back. We discussed some of that on, on Friday's show. Uh, Justin Foscue, Tanner Allen now headed for the, mid, the middle, the uh, the east, pardon me, the far east, to be able to play over in Asia, play a few ball games out there. They'll finish up here in a couple of weeks. They'll head back. And those games are going to be played because those are exhibitions. It's not There's not like a competition per se. Um, you know, they'll keep scoring everything. They're going to play all those ball games. And then the ladies are, are playing Japan today in a semifinal game. And uh, I'll update you before we go. You'll, you'll know by the time you listen to the show. But they were down at the half. And uh, been a tight ball game, but down at the half. Uh, Vic hopefully will find uh, some magic and figure this thing out. But we'll update you uh, later in the show. But, uh, but all that being said, good times, hot times, fun times. You know, we had a, we had a, I tell you what, we had a great time at the um, at the Star, city of Starkville, Fourth of July celebration out at the park. Free to come. They have bands. They were all great. Kind of across all genres. Had some country folks. Had some uh, some rock stuff. Had uh, you know some blues. It was great. It's a great time. Really, really happy with uh, the fact that we live here in Starkville and that there's so many great things to do here that are family oriented. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't share today the deepest condolences uh, of mine and my family for the family of Lake Little and all those that loved her and continue to love her. For those of you that are unaware, there was a plane crash over the weekend at the Ole Miss golf course. And I remember when the the news first broke that the plane's flight plan went from a Golden Triangle, that it, it picked up out of GTR. I turned to my wife. I said, you know, there's a good chance that's going to be somewhat one of ours. It's going to be a good chance that's somebody from around here you know, involved in that. And then the the reports we had is that, uh, you know, she'd been transferred. She was in critical condition, been airlifted to uh, to Memphis. And then later she succumbed to her injuries. And uh, Lake Little uh, was a young lady that was passionate about flying. She was involved in the Distinguished Young Women. Uh, my daughter got my youngest daughter got to know her through that program. And uh, those young ladies spend a lot of time together. And uh, it's been one of those things, you know, the reality of it is, is we, those of us that have already uh, experienced some, some tragedy in life as adults, we understand sadly that the death is a part of the living experience. But uh, when you see that for young people, you know, many of them, they may see their grandparents die. And a lot of times when you're a teenager, you haven't really had any major losses like that but when a young person sees one of their peers die it changes them it changes all of us and it has rocked our community the uh, unbelievable amount of support has been uh, it's, it's what you'd expect for Starkville it's what you'd expect for for small town Mississippi it's been it's been incredible but our thoughts and prayers go out to uh to Lake's family and her friends and and uh, the young people around Starkville that are, that are, that are dealing with this and uh, I, I know, uh, you know, it's one of those things. We're all kind of connected at some point. Those of us that are year-round residents, you know, we're, at some point we're all connected. You know, our, our kids play together. They go to school together. 
They spend time together. And I know uh, over the weekend there were a lot of Starkville girls that got together and kind of worked through this thing themselves, you know, kind of trying to come to grips with all that. And that's that's part of this that you look at and, and you you realize, too, the, the impact that a person like Lake has on her community. You know, people say, you know what, she was such a great person. Why did someone so talented uh, get taken from us? And one day we'll have those answers, but today we don't. But I just want to share with you all that uh, it is it has been something that has been very important in our community, and our thoughts and prayers go out to the little family, and uh, we wish them the best we could possibly offer. Words are completely insufficient. There is nothing that I or anybody else can say that's going to make any difference whatsoever. And uh, that, that's, that's the hardest part of all this. There's just, there is no remedy for any of this. I want to thank our fine sponsors, Campus Bookmark, Stan, Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there. They're going to treat you like family because you are family. When you walk in that door, they're going to make you feel like you're walking into cheers, a place where everybody knows your name. They're happy to see you come in. They're happy to serve you. You can outfit your home, your office, your pet, your RV, anything you have in life. You can outfit it in maroon and white merchandise right there at Campus Bookmart. And if you can't make it to town, we encourage you to visit them at campusbookmart.net. And we'll give you a little incentive, too. By being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. I don't know what you all did uh, yesterday, obviously. We didn't spend a day together. But I watched a lot of soccer. I'm a soccer guy. I enjoyed the U.S. national team, the men and the women's side. And uh, one thing that I wanted to share is uh, a couple of things, really. Uh, number one, I, I, don't, I don't have to agree with a person's politics in order to appreciate their talent. And there are a lot of people, whether they be in, in music or film or whatever, there are a lot of people out there, I don't share the same values that they do about certain things. You know, the chances of us getting together and agreeing on everything are pretty slim. But I can still appreciate their talent. And so I, I hate that that kind of became a sad show and all this with the U.S. Women's National Team because... When it comes to women's soccer, the U.S. is the dominant force in international soccer. It is as simple as that. The ladies are the best, 100% of the time. The names change, the results generally don't. You go back to Bernie Chastain, Mia Hamm, uh, Abby Wambach, it's legends, legends in the game, for sure. And so, But I hate that. I hate, I hate to see the sideshow part of it. I really do, because I, I hate really anything that promotes division when we should be celebrating a, a, a World Cup championship. I don't, don't like it. Don't like it at all. And uh, But all that being said is if you look at the popularity of women's athletics, I mean, you really think about it, and this is, you know, someone that uh, that has a couple of, of, uh, of daughters. You know, when I begin to think about, you know, growing up, I had I have four sisters, and uh you know, it was a big deal. I remember like, when we got HBO, you know, for the, that, that was such a big moment, you know, when we were teenagers to get HBO. And they had Wimbledon and, and Martina Navratilova and, and Chris Everett, uh, you know, became household names. But th- there were not a lot of national-level female athletes when I was a teenager and when my sisters were coming up. But just, that's just the reality of it. And you look at things today... And you look at how accomplished so many 
women athletes are, especially in the United States, and look at what they have done. And I begin to think about you know, my girls, and I begin to think about this next generation, and, and not just from an international level, but you're looking here at Mississippi. I mean, how many young ladies have gone out and practiced free throws or played horse with their mom or dad over the course of the last few years and pretended to be Victoria Vivians? And so women's athletics is trending in the right direction. I don't think there's any question about that. I think, I think everybody, especially those of us that are fans of sports, period, you're kind of happy to see the ladies get their due. And, and we've still got a long way to go, okay? It's save your tweets. Don't see how they're getting their due. Don't, don't do it. Don't ruin it. Don't do it. We're making progress. We've still got a ways to go. But I, but I think the bigger issue here is when you look at the evolution of women's sports and you begin to think about, look at the people today. Look at the, the role models. And not all of them are going to share your values, okay? It's, not all of them are going to share your politics. Not all of them are going to like your kind of music. You know, some of those people are going to be, you know, mayonnaise and mustard people. Some of them are going to be mayonnaise and ketchup people. I mean, we're not all going to agree. But I think when you look at it from a 30,000-foot view, when you begin to look at this thing and you realize the advancements in women's athletics, it is very encouraging to see. And then when you look at the fact that, and this is my personal opinion, I guess because I'm I'm around many of these ladies, women are a lot more health-conscious today. You know, women are more active today. I mean, I, I, I can't go to the gym and, and not see you know, 40% women. I remember years ago, that wasn't the case. You go to the gym and there may be, you know, one or two women there and then that'd be it. You know, but so women are a lot more health conscious. A lot of women, women getting out running. Uh, it's, it's a big deal. And so as, uh, as, as a guy that was raised by women and a guy that grew up with a bunch of women and a guy that's raising young women, uh, I am excited about this sort of thing. And I didn't mean to get on a big tangent about this, but I, I just think when you begin to to look at things in their totality when you look at the fact that look at the advancements that are being made and again there is much left to do it excites me to think about the level that women's athletics will be on let's say 20 years from now you know this next generation that kind of grew up watching Dominic Dillingham Victoria Billings Tierra McCowan and those girls saying you know what I want to go play I want to go play ball and I think that's good for the game. I think it's good for our country. Uh, I, I think when these young, I mean, you can't go to the soccer fields at Starkville without being overrun with just a pack of girls playing soccer. I mean, it's it's incredible the commitment in our community. And I know it's like it's all around the country, but there is a real commitment to play organized sports, much more so by girls this generation than I think there ever has been. And I think it's wonderful. I think it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, the men blew the uh, the men's soccer game last night. I absolutely hate that. You know, it's, for, the only thing that's worse to me than losing to the Mexicans in soccer is losing to Ole Miss in anything. And uh, absolutely, I, I spent all weekend looking forward to that match, thinking we're going to finally win the Gold Cup again, and we're going to beat Mexico, and things will be right in the world, and we get beat. And uh, don't like it. I used to watch every. Uh, men's national team game. Matter of fact, a little people, my, most people don't know this. My oldest son's name is Ani, O-N-I. And he was nearly Kobe, C-O-B-I. 
and my wife talked me out of it because at that time Kobe Bryant was beginning to come to prominence and she goes you know if you name him Kobe C-O-B-I they're going to misspell his name his whole life because I was going to name him after Kobe Jones who at that time was my favorite player on the U.S. men's national team that's how important it was to me Kobe now Kobe does some of the desk commentary during the you know U.S. national events I'm glad to see him kind of plug back in but Kobe was an absolute killer and uh, at a time when U.S. soccer was really undergoing a renaissance but I was going to name him Kobe C-O-B-I and uh, my wife you know as much as I look back on that I think it had been cool she's right everybody would now now granted that everybody misspells his name anyway Uh, but uh, that being said he would have he would have been K-O-B-E and he probably would have uh, fussed at me for, the, for all of his life. So why did you name me Kobe? This obscure spelling of Kobe, knowing that there was another Kobe out there. Little did I know that Kobe Bryant would end up being one of the best men's basketball players of all time. But that being said, that's how important all that stuff is to me. And so I don't know what you did, but I spent a lot of time watching soccer. But I want to talk some today about American football. I want to talk about college football. We've talked so much about baseball. We've talked so much about everything else. And, and now it's time to turn the page. Okay? We, we've We've done our SEC East previews for baseball for 2020 and for the West for 2020. Today I want to talk about Mississippi State football. We're going to talk specifically, I'm going to run through the schedule here, and uh, we're going to get into some personnel groups later in the week. I want to go ahead and kind of break down kind of some of the things that I'm hearing on offense and defense. We'll, we'll do one Wednesday, one Friday, but today we're going to, I'm going to give you kind of an overview of what I expect when it comes to the Mississippi State football season this year. We're going to break down each game today and we're going to talk about where it sits on the schedule and, and how important it is and, and kind of what we should expect uh, when it comes to the bowl picture. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I absolutely love Bulldog Burger Company and I'll, I'll tell you, I, I was eating there long before they were a sponsor of this show. I absolutely love going out there and listen, you can go and have, enjoy the, uh, the indoors. You can go outdoors if you want. If you want to go out there and sit out there and just can enjoy the evening breeze. You can do that. But the main thing is you're going to enjoy a great restaurant-quality hamburger. And there are a few things in life that kind of make you feel good about your day more than a great restaurant-quality hamburger. Yeah, you can get a hamburger anywhere. But you can't get the quality you're going to get at Bulldog Burger Company just anywhere. Without a doubt, the best hamburger joint in the state of Mississippi right here in Starkville, within walking distance of our campus, our beautiful campus here at Mississippi State, a place that is run by Mississippi State people, a place that is invested in Starkville and invested in Mississippi State, so you're doing business with Bulldogs when you go there. Go find your favorites, and I have people that tweet at me all the time, Steve, we just went, we loved it, we had a great time there, what would you recommend? We're going to Bulldog Burger for the first time, I'm always happy to help. Let me offer you this, if you're just a, if you're just a, you know, if you're an American grade meat eater, go with a smokehouse. You can't go wrong there. If you want to walk on the wild side a little bit, get the mission, but I'm encouraged you to get the Pico de Gallo on the side because then you can kind of, you know, decide. I'm not a big onions guy, but I can decide what I want to put in there. But, I, you know, pimentology, add bacon, that's the way to go. To me, I, I think that's, to me, that is the Bulldog Burger experience. So when you're in town, go by, find your own favorites, have an adult beverage, get that milkshake to go because Bulldog Burger Company, they, they can handle anything you got. They can scratch any edge you want. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So let's go ahead and look at the schedule. Uh, and, and listen, it's uh, it's football time, okay? It's, it's time for all of us to kind of turn the page here and get ready to go. 
it's going to be here before we're going to be covering practices before you know it I traded some messages with Joe Moorhead earlier and uh, you know, before we get, kind of get into uh, to the, the schedule I, I did some research because I was curious because and one thing that I've learned about life is uh, when it comes to sports and for those of us that are around it all the time a lot of it, it becomes kind of old hat after a while but if there are things that are interesting to us they're probably interesting to you and I don't say that out of narcissism but it's because of the fact ever so often I think when's the last time this happened hmm so I don't know if you're aware of this but over the weekend offensive lineman Brandon Cunningham and defensive back Colin Duncan enrolled for summer school at Mississippi State so that gives Mississippi State 24 reported signees with one guy remaining, that's Kareem Walker, and he's expected to enroll for fall camp. And we would have loved to have had him here before then, but he's had to finish up some coursework. I touched base with him last night. He says he's still on track. He'll be done here in the next week to 10 days. Then he's going to make the move to start. We'll get ready to report for fall camp. In the event that happens, as expected, if Kareem Walker reports as expected, I guess Mississippi State 25 Brand new initial signees. We will be at the limit, 25 for 2019. Now, you're probably thinking, well, Steve, is it really that big a deal? It is that big a deal, and let me tell you why. Because we have not done that since the 1990s. It has been over 15 years, nearly, and and it could be longer than that. I just can't find the records to get back, Okay. <laughs> But it's been nearly 20 years or more since we have had every signee qualify and report to campus. 2018, we had three guys not qualify. 2017, we had four not qualify. In 2016, we had one. 15, we had one. That was Dante Jones. He went to prep school. He did resign, but we didn't. He didn't qualify initially. In 14, we had four non-qualifiers. In 13, Donald Gray did, did not qualify. He resigned. Court Sandberg also signed that year, elected to go play for the Philadelphia Phillies. 2012, we had Kevon Coleman, Artemis Samuel, both not qualified. They went to Hargrave, went to prep school and resigned, came back. Kevon graduated, Artemis did not. In 2011, we had two, Justin Cox, who resigned, and Shaquille Perry. You had two in 2010. You had it at three in 2009, including Darius Slay. Of course, he resigned with you. Also in that number, Billy Hamilton, Cincinnati Red Star, Billy Hamilton. 2007, it was a great class for Mississippi State, but five of those guys didn't sign, all five of them in-state guys. 2006, you had three. 2005, you had three. 2004, a couple. But my point being is that this is a pretty rare occurrence at Mississippi State. A lot of it's because the rules have changed. Okay, A lot of it's because of the fact that uh, now if you sign a non-qualifier, it still counts in your 25. So you're not going to take a chance on a marginal student anymore. And so, and I reached out and I shared this with some people at Mississippi State, and I think they were unaware. I really do. I think it's like you get tunnel vision sometimes, and you focus on what's around you, and and people are like, you know what? That's right. We're going to bring everybody to campus this year. And that is a remarkable accomplishment, because I'm going to tell you, and I'm not going to throw shade at Dan Mullen, because number one, Dan Mullen was very good to me when he was here at Mississippi State. Dan Mullen was good at Mississippi State. But Dan Mullen's having some trouble with Florida. Four members of their 2019 signing class not going to be on campus. Chris Steele already transferred. Jalen Jones was dismissed from school. Uh, and, then, and then, of course, uh, Dewan Black didn't qualify. They've had another non-qualifier. They had and then another uh, 
player announced the transfer today, they're having some attrition there. And as much as I enjoyed Dan Mullen, Dan was not a, an elite recruiter. They were great evaluators. They did a good job. They didn't do a great job. And there was always a little smoke and mirrors with the Dan Mullen recruiting machine. And he's taken that to Florida. And so now here we are. Jim Moorhead brings in a good class. And then you're going to bring those guys to campus. That's big, man. That's, that's big. It's big. And you could say, well, you know, Steve, it's only one or two players a year. And that's true. But here's what happens when you start you lose one or two each year. And all of a sudden, you start getting out of balance with personnel groups. You don't address them. Because and, and, there's always going to be some natural attrition anyway. There's going to be some guys that get injured, some guys that don't pan out, some guys that, uh, you know, maybe make a position change or whatever. And so you don't need to add to that misery by signing guys that aren't going to qualify, if that makes sense to you. It's, I think it's worth noting. I think it's important. I think it also shows, too, that Joe Moorhead and his recruiting staff are doing a great job on the front end identifying these guys. And listen, there's a couple of those guys that were marginal, okay? There were a couple of guys that had some work to do academically, but they've done it. And that's the bigger part of that evaluation is there are a lot of guys that have the ability to make it but don't have the willingness to make it. And so you go get these guys, that, number one, and maybe the light on comes a little, on a little bit late. Brandon Cunningham, a very eloquent interview with WLOX-TV here a couple months back around his graduation, and he said you know, what the message that he wanted to have to young people is don't mess around early in your high school career with academics because he had to kind of play from behind. And he does make it. He's now on campus at Mississippi State and showed up yesterday. He's in class today. But he will tell you by his own admission that the path to Division One football was much harder for him than it should have been. He's always had the aptitude. He didn't always have the proper attitude. Now he does. He's been humbled by the process. Now he wants other guys to understand, take care of your business early in, in your high school career. And so all of that said, it is a notable accomplishment, and I think it's important for our folks to understand that, that our staff has done a great job identifying these guys and not just going out and signing guys for their stars. And, I'm not, and again, not you know, lobbing bombs at anybody else, but you can figure out that on your own. A lot of people just chase star ratings, and uh, those star ratings look good on signing day. They don't look good on reporting day when those guys are headed to junior college. That's just the reality of it. You know, I, I, I can't coach them uh, in Senatobia. I, I can't I can't coach them in Boonville. You know, and there are some guys that need game reps, but, you know, I've always – I would much rather have that guy under my umbrella working through my drills, working with my strength and conditioning folks. You know, you're going to have a sign in place every now and again. But there are a lot of people out there that go sign guys in order to prop themselves up on signing day because here's the deal. That's all anybody really remembers, right? And it's a big discussion you have with these people. Man, we've got all this talent. And then you look out there on the field and you say, where's all this talent you guys are talking about? Because, because here's what happens. When you use recruiting rankings, when you manipulate recruiting rankings to kind of cover up some of your deficiencies, whenever you don't win, when, when you create the perception that you have more talent than you really do, and then you lose, then people attribute it to coaching. They say, well, we can't be talent. We've got talent. We need better coaching. So you kind of um, – you kind of waste in your own whiskey there to keep it, you know, a PG-13 show. You, you kind of you, you kind of just set yourself up for trouble there. But anyway, let's get into uh, let's get into this Mississippi State football schedule. And uh, there are a couple of real swing games. I expect State to get off to a big start. Okay, I'm, I'm just 
I expect State to get off the Florida start, and then we'll see from there. Let's go ahead and get started with uh, UL Lafayette. That ball game in the controlled atmosphere <laughs> of the Louisiana Superdome. And uh, I, I will be honest with you, I don't really mind the 11 a.m. kick because we're going to be able to get our content out. I know many of you will enjoy the ball game and then uh, probably take in some nightlife there in New Orleans. Uh, I love New Orleans. And a lot of people that say, oh, man, I hate going down there. Listen, you know, maybe not. Maybe going down there during Mardi Gras week is not the move for you. But New Orleans is a great city. Uh, it's got unbelievable dining experiences down there. And listen, if you, if you want to go have a cold drink, you can do that too. But uh, I'm more excited about the football game. Okay? So I want to go knock out you all off yet. And, uh, you know, those guys, listen, Billy Napier and his crew, they're going to do a good job. They'll be ready to go. They just won't have the horses. Uh, but I do think uh, it'll be a great fan experience. You know, we used to play Tulane fairly regularly, and uh, we used to have that trip down to the, New York, the Louisiana Superdome. I don't know that I wouldn't work that deal out anyway. I, I, you know, I just think that, uh, number one, that is a uh, a good non-conference opponent. It's a game you should win, and it gives your fans a great trip. And you know you're going to draw well at that ball game. But this will be interesting, you know, and uh, we'll play Louisiana Lafayette. It should be a game that State – wins handily. I think State's going to you – know, we look at that game last year. UL Lafayette was in it, I guess, for about half a quarter. And then the Mississippi State defense took over, and then uh, we blew the game open. I expect a similar outcome this time. I just, they just don't have the horses. And I think Mississippi State's a lot more talented than people realize. I think a lot of people are thinking, man, there's no way they can be any good when they lost all those guys to the NFL draft. You know, we're going to be – we may not be as good, but we're going to be a really good team this year. And, I, and you're not going to be able to tell a whole lot from that first ball game, but um, we'll go out there and we'll take care of business. We'll take care of business against you all off yet. And, uh, I, again, I expect it to be a blowout. Southern Miss will come in here, again, an afternoon kick. And, and for you students, listen, I love you, okay? I, I do. And uh, there's probably not another member of the Mississippi State media that is a bigger advocate for our students. And I know that you guys are going to absolutely f- cook that day. I, I know. I get it. You're going to have back-to-back games. It's going to be it's going to be tough. But I'm going to ask you to hang in here, drink plenty of water. That Southern Miss game is a 2.30 kick. They're going to come in here. Uh, they'll be excited, okay? They also won't have the horses. They also won't have the talent. But I don't I don't think this is a uh, you know, a 49 to nothing type ball game. I, I just don't think that's the case. I think that they will be a team that, uh, you know, they'll come in, they'll have, you know, they'll have a chip on their shoulder. A lot of those guys uh, will be, uh, you know, trying to prove that they should have played at this level. And that's fair. You know, that, that's whatever it takes to get up. But, you know, we went down there and played there a couple of years ago. They're going to play Alcorn State the week before we play them. At home, they'll kind of work the kinks out. This will be their first time going on the road. But, you know, it's one of those things that I think about, you know, there are a lot of people that that don't like the series. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the series, but I'm also, I'm just not a proponent of us going down there. Because, they, the, number one, they can't handle accommodations. They can't handle the demand for tickets. Our fans are treated like second-class citizens there. It's just like in baseball. I just, you know, I've got no problem playing Southern Miss. I just don't want to go play them in Hattiesburg. And it's got nothing to do with that great home environment. It's just got to do with logistics. 
they just simply can't handle the demand down there. And I, and I, and I listen, my wife graduated from Southern Miss. My mom graduated from Southern Miss. My grandmother graduated from Southern Miss. I don't understand where this angst about Mississippi State comes from. I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand why everybody is so angry uh, when it comes to Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State gives you guys an opportunity to play Mississippi State. If you want to be upset with anybody, be upset with Ole Miss. They're, they're scared to play you. We're not, we're not the least bit scared to play you uh, and, at all. But uh, that's part of the deal, too. It's like when we go down there, there always seems to be an incident. There always seems to be something. And I hope that doesn't happen here, but I'm sure at times it does with that many people getting together. There's always going to be somebody leave with some hurt feelings or, you know, whatever. But it just seems that every time we go down there and play them really in any sport, there's just some issues. I don't know if you know this, but uh, the overall series is tied now at 14 and 14. Mississippi State has won four in a row, dating back to the Eric Underwood days. I remember yelling Underwood for Heisman until I could no longer yell anymore after uh, we beat Brett Favre. Good times, good times for sure. But uh, again, there was a time in the 80s when State Don't Miss kind of legitimized Southern Miss because we, we talked about them, quote, being the big three. There is not a big three. That's just the reality of things. There is State and Ole Miss, and then there is Southern Miss. And I know that some Southern Miss people won't want to hear that, but that's the reality of things. I mean, that, that it's just like in Alabama. There's Alabama-Auburn, and then there's UAB, and then there's Troy and, and things like that. Southern, back in the 80s, in many respects, was kind of on the level of State and Ole Miss. And, um, but this will be one. We'll, we'll take the series lead for the first time in a long time. <laughs> uh I guess back in the 70s this was the last time we had the series lead. It would, you know, the Reggie Collier years, they, they took the lead from us. Um, you know, kind of had the better of things for a while. It was a different day and time. It was a different Mississippi State. It was a different athletic budget, for sure. But I expect State to win that one. I, I expect State to win that one handily. And I, and I think that this is, this is a Colin Hill-type game. This is one of those games that um, – Colin Hill, I think, will happen because, number one, I think really most of these non-conference games are kind of like Colin Hill is going to be one of the most explosive backs in the country. And then I think as the game wears on and Mississippi State's ability to stretch a defense and we're going to be able to do that this year, okay, that's going to open up the box. And I think that's going to be very apparent against Southern Miss. The game's going to be at home. The elements are going to be a bit of a factor. I think in that fourth quarter, Colin Hill probably averaged six, seven, eight, nine yards a carry. I, I really expect State's running game to be big in that Southern Miss game. And if you recall when we went out there and played in 2015, we could not get out of our own way. You know, that, that ball game was, was close because we allowed Southern Miss to stay in the ball game. You remember Ashton Shumpert's going to go in and score to make it 7 nothing. We fumble. Remember that? We fumble. They get it back. We had uh, Fred Ross muff the punt. They get it back. You know, I mean, it just it seemed like we, we kept them in the ball game. When we stopped turning the ball over, we put them away. And that'll be the same situation here. If we don't allow them to stay in the ball game, they won't stay in the ball game. Kansas State comes in, brand new coaching staff there. Again, students, I love you. 11 a.m. kick, and we'll talk again between now and then. But need you guys there. 
Okay, we're going to need you there, probably more so this week than we would, did against Southern Miss. The Kansas State's going to have a little more talent than Southern Miss. Kansas State's also going to be implementing a new offense. It's going to be some, you know, getting them early is probably big. They also graduated a lot last year. They're going to be a younger team. Uh, they also had you know, some quarterback issues. So we'll see how that develops. But again, Kansas State coming in here, and when we, we first put them on the schedule, I think a lot of people kind of were like, well, you know, goodness. Kansas State, and uh, we got a good chance to sweep that series. It will also be interesting what we can learn about their personnel from our man on the scene, Isaiah Zuber. I'm sure he's still friends with all those guys, but uh, he will know what those guys like to do. He will know what they have trouble doing, and uh, that's going to be advantageous to Mississippi State. When we get ready to watch film, nobody is going to be more insightful about the Wildcats than Isaiah Zuber. And he can sit down with our staff and he can say, hey, this guy struggles covering this route. This guy has an aversion to contact. So, again, I expect that to be a competitive ball game. But, again, I think State puts that, that thing away. I mean, I, I think it will be a competitive game for a half. And I think in the end, the elements, the heat, the talent, the atmosphere will all matter. So, three ball games have already been announced time-wise. Or I guess four count the Egg Bowl. But we know in August and September, we're going to be daytime football three weeks in a row. And again, students, I love you. But you need to be there. Wear shorts. And listen, I know some. I know we want to look cute. We want to, you know, listen. Wear game wear to the ball game. Put on some T-shirts and a shorts and come to the ball game and drink plenty of water and cheer. Then go home and get a shower. And you got the rest of the night to spend on fraternity row. Do whatever you want to do. But please come out this ball game. We're going to need you there. The, um, students, listen. You guys set the tone for our game day atmosphere at football and basketball. It's that's bottom line. That, and anybody that disputes that is just not paying attention. Now, we still need to get together on, uh, on the cadence when we're singing the, uh, the song, the Mississippi State, you know, that part. Because you guys get way ahead of every, the rest of the stadium. But that that's something else. I've, I've talked to Red Hobart about that. We need to, whoever the student body president, we need to have, a, you know, a summit of some sorts and get you guys on the same page with the rest of the stadium. But that's my only complaint about you students. But I love you guys, but you guys need to be here for these ball games. Uh, Kentucky, that's, listen, we're going to win that ball game. And I see some people out there that are hesitant. Listen, we have dominated this series for the last decade or so. We gave a game away last year. We blew it. We went up there. We weren't ready. Josh Allen destroyed us, kind of exposed some problems in our pass protection. Uh, Benny Snell got the better of us. And listen, he's a pro back. He's with the Pittsburgh Steelers now. I'm a fan of his now. But uh, Jim Moorhead shouldn't have to say anything about this ball game in order to get the team up to play. That's just the reality thing. Just should, shouldn't have to do it. Just put on, just put on that fourth quarter. Let people watch. Uh, Nick didn't have a good ball game. Offensive line didn't have a good ball game. Our reads weren't good. We, we dropped some passes. We turned the ball over. When Brian Cole picked that ball off, you know, we, we were still in the ball game in the fourth quarter. We, and then we gave it away. We just, you know, we, we just simply could not block Josh Allen. And the thing about Kentucky that's always interesting, they run some odd man fronts. They, they run, they do. They, they run different defensive schemes than you're going to see all year. And so you've got a week to get your splits ready and change your pass protections, change your audibles. There's a lot that goes into it, and you've got a short week to do it. And so I really thought Kentucky did a great job of adjusting late. 
you know, we would make our check at the line, and then they would audible off what we did, and then the, the play clock was running down. We couldn't adjust, and so as a result, a lot of times our, our pass protections were off, and they exposed us, and we couldn't move the football. I expect that to change this year, and also think, you know, I think Kentucky was a really good team last year. I think Mississippi State was a better team, but Kentucky had the better night, and you tip your cap to them uh, because they had a couple of pro football players that changed the game, and I felt like that. You know, if you recall, we had a handful of unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. We had, a, you know, we did have a bad interference call that went against us. But by and large, Kentucky won the football game. It wasn't a situation where we necessarily lost the football game. We didn't play our best football, and uh, they played well better than we did and won the game. Very disappointing result. I remember making that drive back home from Lexington the next day, and people were asking me, "Do do we think we'll even make a bowl game?" We'll be 4-0, 4-0 after that ball game. State's going to open up, win the neutral side game at Lafayette, and win three home games in a row. Then we'll get ready to go on the, to a, a true road game for the first time of the season. They're going to play Auburn. Now, Auburn's got a lot of question marks, too. Uh, I mean, they, they really do. We talk so much about Gus Malzahn being like a mad scientist and uh, running this innovative offense, but I'll tell you, at the end of the day, Gus Malzahn is a spread coach that has a power running game. And that's where I think our lack of depth at defensive tackle will show up for the first time. On the road at Auburn with Booby Whitlow running the football. They are going to attack us right there in the middle. Errol Thompson's going to have to have a big game, but, man, I, I don't know how we keep the guards off of him. This is something that, that worries me when I think about these power teams because I think by the end of the year – you know, we'll have figured some things out. But by the first time we go on the road and play that first SEC ball game, guys like Jaden Cromedy and Fabian Lovett, uh, Cameron Young, those guys will, will have not seen that level of competition yet. We don't know the availability of Alan Love yet. And so that's where I think that shows up now. I don't think that Auburn is going to be a world-beater defense. They get some guys coming back. They do. But they also had some guys move on. But uh, they're going to be a good defense. And, I, and I, you know, a lot of people think, you know, Gus is coaching for his job this year. That's probably correct. I think there are a lot of people are kind of tired of the Malzahn experience there. But all that being said, this is the ball game. If I had to call it today, I think we lose this ball game. I think we lose the ball game because it's not a good matchup for us. We're going to have a tough time stopping the interior run game. They're going to run football. They're going to spread you out, put your backers in space, and make you make plays at the line of scrimmage. And I just don't know if we're going to be ready to do that. Now, we get a week off after that. We get to buy October 5th. And then we go to Tennessee. Now, October 5th, Tennessee plays Georgia. October 19th, Tennessee plays Alabama. So State is sandwiched right in there perfectly. I, matter of fact, I, I'm going to go ahead and say Mississippi State is going to win this ball game. Mississippi State will win the Tennessee game. One of the reasons why State is coming in off the bat, State will learn a lot about themselves on the road at Auburn. When they go to Tennessee, they will be a better football team. Consider it, assuming everybody's healthy. Okay, Tennessee will come in a little bit beat up, and I think looking ahead a little bit to Alabama. I don't think you could ask for a better situation here unless this game was in Starkville. But as far as the road games go, being sandwiched in between Georgia, who is a superior team, and then Alabama, that is the emotional rival of volunteers, I think we're exactly where we want to be. 
and I think Mississippi State finds a way to win this game. I don't think Tennessee is going to be able to score, okay? And I know they're going to try to run the football, but I think we're going to see State defensively kind of grow up a little bit because I don't honestly I don't think Tennessee has the weapons on offense that Auburn will have. And again, Auburn's in transition. I think Tennessee will be a good defensive team, and I think they'll have a good scheme. But I think if State, I think if State, State scores 20 points this ball game, we're going to win. Next, we come back home. We host LSU. The last time the Tigers were here, it was not much of a game. State really, 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 really looked to be world beaters in that in that game. 37 to seven, biggest win in series history for Mississippi State. I expect a, a very, very competitive ball game. But Ed Orgeron is a line of scrimmage coach. They are going to try to line up and run the football against Mississippi State. They couldn't really do it last year. If Nick Fitzgerald hadn't had the game that he had, we'd probably win the ball game. Nick's worst game of the year. I don't think there's any question. A couple of really bad interceptions. Cam Dancer, of course, picks the ball off in end zone, tries to bring it out. We get hemmed up, make a mistake there. But, you know, State was in that ball game. You know, people act like that, you know, as bad a game as Nick had, State was still in the ball game. We just simply couldn't finish. We kept them out of the end zone, by and large, most of the ball game, but we couldn't stop them between the 20s. Field goals, field goals, field goals, right? I think State probably feels like they gave that game away, but I do think LSU last year managed the game a lot better than we did because of the fact that we gave them plus field position more times than not. Uh, Grant Delpit is a real problem at LSU. He is an incredible player. Wished he would have the ability to come out this year. Uh, but Grant Delpit's a guy that had a big game against Mississippi State. If I had to call it today, I'm calling this a loss. If I had to call it today, I just feel like, again, it's not a good matchup for Mississippi State. And football's about matchups. Now, LSU is really strong at the wide receiver position. They're going to bring Joe Burrow back. I don't think Joe Burrow is a lead quarterback. I know they won a lot of games last year, but most of those were on the strength of their defense and running game. They're going to have some young receivers that are going to be better this year, so they're going to be a little more multiple offensively. And I think because of that, they're going to spread you out. You're going to have to defend the whole field. You're not going to be able to put seven, eight, nine guys in the box because of the talent they have at wide receiver. So I think as a result, it's not a good matchup, and I think they'll be able to run the football with some success against Mississippi State. I think they're more talented at running back than Tennessee is. I don't. I really don't think that's much of a question mark. So through six games in the year, pardon me, seven games, I've got Mississippi State five and two, five and two, headed to College Station. Now. Mississippi State has had the better of this series, and a lot of national media people and SEC media people tend to forget that because they only think about Mississippi State uh, when it's their time to cover them. But I'll tell you, we have simply had their number, uh, and I, I, I can't really explain it. It's just one of those things you begin to think about and say, okay, well, you know, even even when they were really good, we've played them pretty well. State actually leads the series seven and five. We've won three in a row in the series. And there are a lot of people that are already saying, well, you know, that's going to be a loss. This is one of those true toss-up games. I mean, it, it really, really is. State has won four of the last five. The, the one game that, um, that A&M did win was uh, in 15. If you remember, we went down there and, and, and really gave the game away. Uh, we had Aris Williams fumble going in for a touchdown. We had Deronye Wilson fumble uh, in plus field position on our open driver the second half. And uh, they got out to a quick start. We adjusted and just simply couldn't get caught up. We couldn't get out of our own way. 
So the one game we win, we kind of give to them, you know. And all due respect to the Aggies, I mean, they, they, they played well, but we didn't. Uh, you go back to 13, Johnny Manziel's last game, that was kind of the coming out party for Dak Prescott. They win that game 51-41. If we make two tackles on special teams, we win that game. So, again, I see this as a toss-up. If I had to call it today, I would call it a loss. I, I might feel differently going in then, if that makes sense to you. I, I think going into that week, I might feel differently, if that makes sense to you. Because I, I don't think Kellen Mond is very good. Uh, you know, the interception he threw last year in end zone to Errol Thompson, I mean, there was a better chance of me catching that football than it was for Texas A&M receiver. It was, an, it was a horrible read. It showed that the moment was too big for him. And I th- really think if outside of the LSU game last year, and that was just one of those wild and crazy things that happens, I think Kellen Mond has not shown that he can, he can consistently move that team down the field. They lose a lot of weapons on offense. I just think it's a difficult place for us to go down there and play. And we went down there in 17 – we were simply the better team, and they were reeling a little bit. So I like get A&M late because they're, they're usually great early and bad late. But if I had to call it today, I think we lose that one in a close one. I think we lose it in a close one. The next week we'll travel to Arkansas, and uh, somebody tweeted at me today. They said, oh, somebody else picked them to go 5-7 and seven and beat Mississippi State. They're not going to beat Mississippi State. They uh, again, they the depth at Arkansas is incredibly, incredibly thin. Uh, you know when when we played them last year, it was one of those things that um, they were really angry after the ball game, and um, they being the the uh, the staff there at um, at Arkansas, Chad Morris really you know basically said that they they basically quit in the ball game you know and Chad far be it for me to be disagreeable I, I don't think that they quit I think they got beat into submission I think that's really the, the, the bigger issue there I think when you look at that Mississippi State was just simply the better team now Arkansas leads the series 16 to 12 we've won two in a row and we had had a pretty good stretch going before uh you know the when the, the Peter Sermon year and I hate to bring that up but you know State has won six of the last seven in the series. We lose that one 58-42 because I don't think Arkansas punted the whole night. It was absolutely ridiculous. But, uh, you know, we beat them in 12, 45, 14. We go to Fayetteville. We beat them 24 to 17. I think that ball game was in Little Rock. It was in Little Rock, wasn't it? In 14, they come here. It's a tough ball game. 17 to 10, right? Will Redmond with the interception to seal it. And then we win the game with the uh, Bonique West block field goal in 15, 51-50. Incredible night of football. And then they beat us in the Peter Sermon year, 16. I'll never get over that. And then we go up there unprepared to play when Dan Mullen was out looking for the jobs, and we still find a way to win 28-21. You remember Reggie Todd with the game-winning touchdown there to put the thing away. Uh, or Dedrick, uh, that was maybe the, the tie when Dedrick Thomas had the game-winner. And then last year we beat them 52-6. to And so when I hear these people talk about, okay, they're going to be so much better this year, what, what if anything? I mean, it's like when I think about the, the, the uh, especially people in the SEC media, 
I know sometimes we want to say favorable things about some of the teams that we cover because, you know, you want to access those programs or whatever. But here's the deal. Arkansas did not look like an SEC team at any point last year. At, at no point did you think, okay, this team's going to be good. Okay, they got a grad transfer quarterback. Maybe that changes things. But here's the deal. They were not even competitive in most of the games last year down the stretch. It, it, they did not look like a team that was getting better at the end of the year. And that we thought that would be the case. I know I was one that said, you know what, but then I'm, I'm a Chad Morris fan. I know that he didn't do a whole lot of SMU, but I thought, you know, this is a great offensive mind. He will figure some things out. But down the stretch, they did not look like a team that was anywhere close to being a competitive SEC football team. And so I wonder where this optimism comes from. You know, they're going to have to play a bunch of guys early. You know, when they lost that ball game early in the year, you know, they beat East Illinois, they lose to Colorado State on the road, and then North Texas absolutely pants them 44-17. to 44-17, North Texas. And, and listen, the Main Green was a good football team, but they, you should never be able to go into Fayetteville as a non-conference team and beat somebody like that. Then they get destroyed by Auburn, 34-3. A&M beats them. That's the, uh, that's the Jerry World game. 24-17, if you recall, that was a much more competitive game than I think people anticipated. But that's right when A&M began to kind of figure out that they weren't contenders. And then Alabama 65-31, and then everybody's like, well, look, Arkansas scored all these points in Alabama. You Forget the fact they gave up 65, and then Arkansas blows it. They blow the game against Ole Miss. They had the lead, uh, poor play calling in the final drive to, uh, to salt the game away. Gave Ole Miss the football back, and Jared Tayamu led Ole Miss down. They win the ball game, 37-33. And then they, they beat Tulsa. And then Vanderbilt spanks them. LSU beats them. And then and that was the thing, too. Some of our fans that, that kind of struggle with this inferiority complex, like, oh, well, they gave LSU a real test. And they did. And then they went into Starville and got beat 52-6. to And then they got beat by, by Missouri, 38 to nothing. Okay, and so – when you begin to look at the, the issues they had defensively, why would anybody think that they're going to be better this year? There's no free agency in college football. They're not going to be a better football team, and certainly not on the road. So that's one that I expect Mississippi State to win. You know, it, it should be more competitive than last year. Uh, we'll bring Alabama in the next week. Two, we get, we get a bye week, pardon me, and then we get Alabama. You know, Alabama's Alabama, and uh, – you know, I don't know how I'll feel about our team at that point, but um, but I think you know anybody picking us to win that game right now is uh, is a little bit of a homer, and so I'm not there with that. And so I've got Mississippi State six and four after the Alabama week, six and four, and so the losses. So we're going to win the first four, lose Auburn, lose LSU, lose Alabama, lose A&M. You with me? And again, that A&M game's a toss-up. But LSU, you know, things if State can find a way to win over LSU or A&M, then a lot of things are possible. But I've got State six and four heading into Abilene Christian. There's no point in discussing that one. That's a win. So we're seven and four, hosting Ole Miss for the Egg Bowl on uh, Thanksgiving night. Uh, listen, this series is so wild. You can never really predict you know, what's going to happen. But I think when you look at the level of talent between the two schools, 
and what all you know. This is Ole Miss's ball game. Okay, that's the reality of things. They know they came in here two years ago, and they won the ball game and broke Nick Fitzgerald's ankle, and you know my feelings about that. But it, that's what it took. It took five turnovers and a gruesome injury in order for Ole Miss to win the football game. Now, they're going to have a brand-new quarterback. They're going to have uh, a completely new wide receiver group. I guess Elijah Moore will be back. He's a young, talented guy and real small. But they don't have those big physical guys on the outside. It's, it's going to be a completely new offense. Now, Scotty Phillips, much better than anticipated. And then they'll add – uh, some talent at the running back position. The, the offensive line has been decimated. The depth there is non-existent, and there's nothing to suggest the defense will be better except for the fact that Wilson McGriff's no longer calling the plays. Mississippi State's going to win the football game. Now, of course, injuries could change things between now and then, but there's nothing at this point that makes me think that Ole Miss is going to have a winning season. I know they would love to have one, but I think they're going to struggle. I really do. I, I think they're staring 4-8, and 5-7 and seven right in the face. And I think by the time they get to Starkville, they're going to know that they're not going to the postseason for the uh, fourth, fourth consecutive year, fourth consecutive year. And so looking at this series, uh, you know, we went in Oxford, they went in Starkville, we went in Oxford, they went in Starkville. And so that's how it's been the last four matchups. But uh, the last team to win on their home field was all missing 14. And, of course, they had to vacate that game. And then we went in 13. We did not have to vacate that game. Uh and then in 2012, we went, they beat us at their place, and they rushed the field, if you remember that. Also had to vacate that game. Also had to vacate that one. And then we win 11, 10, and 9. So if you really look at this, this whole deal, as wild as this thing has been, the road team has, uh, has done well as of late. I don't expect that to be the case this year. I, I expect Mississippi State to win this thing and go 8-4 and four and then go to a good bowl game somewhere. Yeah, maybe – not going to be a great ball game, but it'll be a good year. And I think it'll be a transformative year because I believe Mississippi State will change their identity on offense this year. I think last year we had some growing pains kind of figuring that thing out. We will figure that out this year. I think that's the bigger part of things now is that State will find some identity on offense. And that's, I think, what plugged us last year because when we had a national championship caliber defense and we just couldn't figure it out on offense. I believe that happens this year. And then we'll see what happens in the bowl matchup, and, and that'll determine it. But, I, again, I expect an 8-4 and four year, but I think it's a different 8-4 and four year than last year. We went 8-4 and four last year, and I think people were somewhat disappointed with that. I think this year if we go 8-4, and four, people will be a little more encouraged because I believe we will be trending in the right direction as a program. I don't think we have a lot of these 13-3 ball games where we struggle to, to get first downs. I, I expect this team to be much better offensively. We'll take a little bit of a step back defensively, but the back seven is really good. If we can find some solutions early on in the interior at D-tackle, if uh, if Lee Autry can step up and be a guy for us, that's big. If Fabian Lovett steps up and can be a guy for us, that's big. So that's where your issues are. You feel good about linebacker. You feel good at safety. You feel good at corner. You feel really good at corner. You got a guy that's probably a, a first or second round draft pick at, at corner at Cameron Dantzler. And so the bottom line now is, is can State find some solutions to stop that interior running game? That's going to de- that, that's going to determine the season. If you can get that fixed early on, uh, then you know you could probably win another game or two. You know, because again, football is about matchups, and these power running teams are going to give State trouble until we figure out how to kind of. 
plug the middle there. Once that happens, I think State could do some big things. But uh, if we're eight and four this year and scoring a lot of points, people are going to come out. People are going to be excited because there were times last year. And listen, I say this with as much love and admiration as I can. But there were times last year we were a little bit boring to watch. You go out there and you get a three and out, and then they punt. And then if you don't return the punt, you were kind of thinking, okay, maybe we get a first down or two and we flip the field and we get good field position. And then maybe the next time we get the ball around the 50, maybe we can push in for a field goal. There just was so much inconsistency on offense that I think we really struggled as a fan base to remain engaged. And then when we lost a couple ball games early, a lot of people checked out. And so I think this year, again, it'll be a different year. You may be a better team and have the same record if that makes sense. And what I mean by a better team is just a little more well-rounded. It won't be just all on the defense. I think the offense will more than carry their weight this year. And so, again, we'll, on Wednesday, we're going to come back, we're going to look at offense, and then on Friday we'll look at defense and really kind of break down what position battles you need to be watching uh, in fall practice and, and, and maybe some guys that maybe you're not quite as familiar with that you will be by the middle of the year. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today. Hope that you guys are absolutely excellent wherever you are today. I hope things are going well for you. And, again, we'll be back on Wednesday enjoying our time, uh, a little downtime. We're enjoying a little downtime, but, again, beginning to kind of ramp up and get excited about football. And uh, our good friend Dave Murray will be back in the saddle and uh, headed over to uh, SEC Media Days next week. And, and Dave was at um, Dave went to Cary, North Carolina last weekend and uh, went to watch Justin Foscue and Tanner Allen play against Cuba. And uh, we've got a couple of recaps. Matter of fact, we've got a video that is free for everybody. You can go watch it on the front of Gene's page right now. You go look it up. It's on my Twitter feed, wherever you want to find it. But Tanner Allen talking about making the move to left field next year. And so that's free for everybody. We make a lot of the video stuff free just because we think it's important to share the Mississippi State experience. But Dave was there. So while there's not a lot of official sports going on. We're still out there kind of paying attention to all of that. Let me give you a quick update if I can on a women's game before we get out of here. So it is now final. Team USA, comprised of Mississippi State, will be playing uh, for the gold medal. They did come from behind to beat Japan 89-84. 89-84, Rakia Jackson continues to be a star. So there you go. So still some women's hoops left to be played. They will play in the uh, the gold medal game now. And so... We've had Reggie Perry win the uh, the World Cup at the U19 uh, men's tournament and uh, get the, the baseball Diamond Dogs still playing, and, and not to mention all of the, uh, you know, the, the Cape Cod stuff and some league baseball stuff. So still a lot of things to keep up with. We'll do our best to kind of make that easy for you. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. <laughs>